0: Welcome to Market Talk. Uh, Greg McBride and Mike Lung back in the saddle again. Here we go. Uh, it's been what, like three, four weeks since we've done a, a, a show together. Sounds about right. Crazy. All right. Well, luckily there's something going. There's stuff going on, so we can talk about all the fun stuff that's uh, that's happening. Uh, we can't uh, can't like it used to be. We used to have to talk about China every single week. Uh, let's talk about Russia. Because they suck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Russia and uh, Turkey and the UN and Ukraine broker a deal to open up a safe corridor for uh, grain exports out of three ports on, in uh, Ukraine. Signed mirror deals. They weren't in the same room. yes. Very important to note because obviously no one really trusts Russia. They can't be in the same room at this point. And within 24 hours of that that signing, Russia's lobbing missiles at uh, at Odessa, the port, uh, one of the ports that uh, that Ukraine is going to be using. So, where do we go from here with that? South, <laughs> pretty much.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Because not only the uh, bomb almost immediately after signing their bilateral agreement, uh, they shot another missile in ports yesterday. So continue to do so. And really, I mean, as much as most people were really saying, you know what, I think Russia's not going to pull anything here. I think this is really going to go well. Sarcasm for anyone that can't see my face right now. Yeah, But, uh, yeah, at this point it's something that we have to see it show me something. it has
0: to happen before we can actually the actual shipments need to not only leave port but show up in turkey or wherever they're going to be moved next they have to show up there and not be
1: molested along
0: the way because it is (laughs) it's i mean it's to a t what you would expect out of russia at this point
1: yeah Yeah, nothing huge surprising there, but we'll see what's going on there. And then you got EU that's going through a heat wave. You got uh, Argentina that is dry, cutting their weed forecast. So you've got a lot of things outstanding here that are developing on the world stage and continuing to develop. And it just, between. The macro-micro macro, or macro micro news, because it's just related onto the grains, and the macro news when it comes to what's going to happen with the Fed going forward with their comments about not only being aggressive with rate hikes but also having to potentially tamper back that aggressiveness and being able to really watch a wide variety of reports, whether it be unemployment, whether it be uh, business growth, things along those lines, in order to really see what the full implications of raising rates could be Because as we've talked about, it's not so much that you see this inflation because businesses are just buying up everything, but it's because the supply is so low that Mm -hmm. buying up anything is buying up everything. Yeah. So how are they going to solve that with just continuing to ravage inflation or uh the uh fund rates and continue to move in that direction and second guess really what the full picture implications are
0: yeah and and the uk is talking about their their inflation rate increasing and maybe not even peaking out until september or october uh at 10 plus percent um, you know we were 9.1 I believe on the July uh, report um, when the August report comes out I mean if it continues to go up despite the the raising of rates I think I mean obviously there this is gonna be what the funds are looking for is we've taken some some money off the table now why don't you just get back in? The, F- the Fed has proven that they can't solve this inflation issue just by throwing higher rates at it. And they're, as far as I've seen, they have not been un- unwinding their balance sheet. So there's, there's other tools that they have, but they're just not using them. And I know the whole thing is to do this at, a, at the right pace so it doesn't break something. But the problem is if they don't move fast enough, other things break. Mm-hmm. and you know we we look at uh, you know you mentioned the micro and the macro as- aspect of it you know just from purely a grain standpoint we've got the market starting to move again you know not not in this big flush out uh, way we've seen three weeks in a row at least i think it was three weeks in a row gap higher or or strong higher move on sunday night and then by tuesday or even monday afternoon we're done. That's it. The rally is over. We sell off through the end of the week and then do it all again the following weekend. This one feels a little bit different. We're about a dollar off the uh, off the lows from uh, just last Friday, I think in the mm-hmm. soybeans, forty cents uh, off the lows uh, in corn. Wheat looks uh, looks like it's starting to come back around. The volatility has never gone anywhere, and I think that's something you and I have talked about and and I think it's important that people understand. The volatility comes from the the constant up, down, up, down, buying and selling motion that we see in these markets. So if you get a trending market that is straight up or straight down for a a long period of time, the volatility is relatively low. But with what we've seen, these $0.40, $0.50 moves is keeping that volatility high. That's probably why one of the safe ways that we can say we can expect higher prices maybe coming in the, in the not-too-distant
1: future, right? Yeah. Just, like you said, just straight off volatility. I mean, most years you'd wait a month, two months to see a 50-cent move in beans, and now it's just pretty regular. It's a day. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, to see some of these targets being hit, I mean, we're leaving targets all over these charts. Mm-hmm. And there's no sign of volatility slowing down. If anything, it seems very like the 70s going into the 80s. And the 80s were nothing but a very volatile time frame. So more than likely you can expect several years of volatility. We've already seen two years of volatility. We're going to go into year three more than likely seeing volatility. And how long that's going to stretch is going to be interesting to see. But, yeah, I mean, to say we're going to see higher prices is to say it's – we're going to see $100 crude again. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not far off from seeing it. So to say it, it's not a far reach.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't mean that there's no uh, risk out there. It you know it's all risk. I mean, just in in the volatility that we've seen, there's still you know we still have risk when it comes to your grains. You know, obviously we have we have weather risk, we have you know premium put in from other other sources or taken out from other sources when the we way were when we were trying to sign or they were trying to sign that that deal, the markets took that as the end of the world and we went straight down for two three days on that it's it is amazing that we see this type of motion and emotion in these in these markets and you know looking at where we could go i mean we're doing our we're we're putting our conference out uh, uh this week and i don't even know that rich could look at this thing and say with any confidence that we have to go to $15 in beans or $12 in beans or we have to go to $8 in corn or we have to go to $4 in corn. It just seems like if you can peg the range that's what you're, you're more apt to try and do. And sure it could be a $4 range in corn. It could be a, a 5 to $7 range in beans but it just seems like we're, we're all over the place and it's it is tradable. It's just like a, we've talked about it if you get ahead don't be afraid to take and walk away mm-hmm. or or step aside and wait for it to do
1: something opposite and then do it again you know yeah it's it's <laughs> it's a market you have to be constantly watching and if you don't have the time or the patience yeah you've talked about six seven dollar ranges and I think what are you supposed to do with the rest of the week?
0: <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean and and you see it you see it in the crude market, you see it in the Dow or the s and p is you see these massive swings of you know four dollars in one day for a crude market that's oh man, you wake up and it 's down two dollars, and the next thing you know it's up a dollar or it's up three dollars and where did that come well it's it all it takes is a headline and I mean at this point. Is is there any anything that really does give the funds a reason to keep selling to move to the sidelines, or is the is do you think we'll see them come back into this thing from a from a full time standpoint? Because a lot of the a lot of the smaller players have stepped aside right now. Haven't we seen open interest drop to I mean, multi year lows?
1: Yeah, and it's something that. I think what the funds are really waiting on is to see what the Fed minutes have to say, what their stance is. Because it's going to be the idea of where am I putting my money as a storage of value? Mm -hmm. And if we continue to see inflation or hyperinflation, well, the best bet is to buy something that is tangible that you can hold because it will appreciate in value. We've got the dollar at such high levels, if you can't see any kind of way for that dollar to start devaluing, well, then you're moving to commodities, mm-hmm. you're coming back in the realm. So right now they're getting pretty neutral, pretty flat, and I, would, I wouldn't be over this to see them start to build back in position. If the Fed does come in here and say, you know what, we need to make sure that business doesn't get absolutely killed with what we're doing, and if that is the case, and we can't see business stay at least stable, Looking at that inflative story to come back in the mix.
0: Do I mean where do they where would they where would they want to put their money if they're if they're putting it back into commodities? Is it a commodity wide move? Is it put it back into crude? Do we go into with the high dollar the way it is right now, do we put it into gold and silver, which are relatively cheap or have come well off their their recent highs?
1: It's probably gonna be more so a basket of a bunch of different ones. Rather so you're going to be dealing diversify with that. how much money do I have based on how much money and capital I have in order to invest, what markets are liquid enough that I'm going to be able to get in and out of them? What kind of position can I have? What kind of really cushion am I going to be able to hold without having to worry about a big margin call wiping me out? And it's moving in that direction. But I do think it's going to be more, more macro and more just broad based commodities. Mm-hmm as they start to re-enter, and it's going to be something that you see them move into this very defined basket based on their risk assessments, based on liquidity of different markets, based on capital that they can expend and capital that they need to keep as a buffer and cushion in order to make sure that they're not uh, calling up for more margin calls, have to liquidate various positions. But it's a good mix of... Indicators that they have to follow in order to make sure that they're positioned well and not screwing up a market yeah. quickly.
0: Well, it seemed it seemed like um, you know a few weeks ago it seemed like it was a foregone conclusion that when we got the uh, quarter two GDP number. Um, here on well, we get it on Thursday, the twenty eighth. Um, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that that was going to be going to be our second quarter in a row of negative GDP and or negative growth, and we were going to be into a recession. Technically, that puts you into a recession. Definition wise, they're kind of changing the definitions, but now I've seen some of the some of the estimates or some of the ideas out there that maybe we didn't have a negative growth quarter in, in quarter 2 what happens if we raise rates three quarters of a point full point whatever it is and we're not into a recession is the is the labor market strong enough to carry us and then we continue to see everybody put the put the money back into the into the market because the recession was averted for now because that seems like that's what everybody's been afraid of.
1: Yeah, you could see that more short-term, much like you saw in 08. You saw the initial fallback, and then you saw a little bit of a recovery before the really big panic flush. It's something that you could see people wipe their brow and see that more relief type of rally. Mm-hmm. You take it off these lows, you give people some kind of sense of hope, and then you just rip it away from them. Yeah. <laughs> Great outlook there. (laughs) Because we still have the problem with people don't have enough available debt to spend. We have a very strong dollar, so you're not seeing a ton of foreign money come in here and start to buy our products because it's just not competitive. Right. And we can buy as much products as we want from the foreign market with the buying power we currently have. But if no one's spending and buying from us, what's the point of buying all this inventory just to sit on it? Sure. Yeah.
0: Well as far as, uh, as far as anything, you talked a little bit about uh, hyperinflation. It's been a while since we've seen a round of hyperinflation. What uh, go into a little bit of specifics about the indication that you get that we could be seeing that or that we could be in store for that? and what that really means versus what just standard inflation would be or, or even stagflation at that, at that point.
1: Yeah, so the biggest takeaway that I'm going to start with is the fact of when you see hyperinflation, it's not so much that the goods are just so rare as much as currency is failing to do its job. And that's a big distinction to be looking at because where we have our dollar currently sitting at, with how much debt we have outstanding, with the fact that we don't have money flowing into us, we have a very big debt bubble that is bound to pop and when you see debt bubbles boil over like they do you either need to print money in order to pay off these debts or you just go into default so we can devalue our dollar right now from where it's sitting at but at what point do we see the writing on the wall and say we need to really print in order to fix this problem and that's what I'm really watching for is what the Fed has to say in those regards and what what we're going to be looking at because with where we're sitting at, there's no good way out of this. Well, One printing another, money essentially got us to where we're at right now. Right. But even with how much money we've printed, you still see how strong our dollar is. Yeah, It's not that sure. we took all this money out of the market. Yeah. It's still sitting there. We still have a lot of debt outstanding, and you still have a lot of people that uh, – are looking at prices at the pump. And while they have come down, they're still expensive. Food prices are still expensive. Everything's still very expensive. And you just don't have anyone that's willing to buy. So if you give out all these dollars and people just either store them or put them in the savings and you have all these goods that are currently outstanding we can't get, it just really comes into the idea of the fiat currency that we currently has, only backed by the word of the U.S. dollar and with cryptocurrencies with the old gold standard it comes into play do we really trust the word behind the value and if that falls apart and people start to flood into gold and flood into cryptos and flood into things that they can hold as a storage of wealth that's when you can really see this thing get ugly yeah so few things to be watching there but yeah it's it's definitely a as we go into the end of quarter three I think it will be a very interesting market
0: yeah well I mean macro and even our own backyard of the of the eggs that's a, a huge time for us we've seen big changes from the USDA at those times we've seen you know they've made changes on on uh, stocks numbers that uh, will make everybody scratch their head and it's like what where the hell did that come from so definitely a lot of uh we always say this we we say it all the time there's a lot of question marks out there but it's the problem the uh, problem and i guess the the good thing about it is it gives us opportunity Mm -hmm. it does open up the door for opportunity
1: yeah and it definitely is something that What we've learned over the last couple of years, as opposed to what we were doing when the market was at a very stagnant level for as long as it was, is really open up the eyes to the vast risk that is out there, whether it's the debt that you're holding, whether it's the energy inputs that you have to buy, whether you have a ton of different things and there's so much different risk out there. That is really open the eyes to okay, where is my risk really? It's not just on my crop prices, mm-hmm. and how do I go about making a full plan, not just a I want to sell corn or beans here. Right. So a few things to be watching, but that's the great thing about our conference being released today, Greg. <laughs> so if you guys have not signed up for that today, uh, please give us a call at 102 Market. We'd be happy to sign you up. We got the full recordings released right now. Uh, It's going to cover grains, uh, cattle, technicals, and financials. So please give us a call again, 800-2-MARKET, and we'll be happy to sign you up. But today for Allendale Market Talk, this is Mike Lung and Greg McBride signing off. You guys have a good one.